I'm Fathery. I'm Starfleet Boy. I'm Rachel. And this is Text Trek. Engage. back aboard the Starship Texas for the 206th installment of the Text Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek old and new. And tonight we are talking about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3 Episode 2, The Least Dangerous Game, written by Garrick Bernard and directed by Michael Mullen. Uh, just before we talk about that episode, though, I got a little bit of housekeeping. I want to ask everyone, if, if they haven't yet, if they could give us a subscribe on the YouTube channel. I know some people listen to the podcast, don't use the, the YouTube aspect of text track, but if you could just go ahead and give us a, a subscribe anyways. Last I looked, we were one shy of 900, so we're getting really close to 1,000 subscribers, so it'd be really cool if we could pick that up tonight during this live wow. stream. But yeah, I, uh, a, a while back, I promised that if we hit 1,000 subscribers before the end of the year, I would make a music video of myself singing my least favorite song of all time, Faith of the Heart. So I, <laughs> It's your least favorite of every song ever? <laughs> perhaps. I'm, I'm not a fan, but I will, I will do it. <laughs> I really don't want to. So it, the ideal scenario would be if we could hit 1,000 subscribers on New Year's Day. So that I don't have to uh, be held to that to that promise. I don't oh have wow! To, but uh, but yes, if we hit one thousand before the end of the year, I will definitely do the Faith of the Heart music video. Um, it, well, wait, it, if it's if it's New Year's Day, you would still have to sing it because that's the next year. Right. So I'm saying that I don't want to yeah. do it. So I'm saying like yeah, if we could, okay. if we could hit one thousand on New Year's Day, it would be perfect. Hmm. Uh, but we'll we'll see what happens. I'm not I'm not going to do it if if we don't hit it if we don't hit it by the end of the year. I will, I'm not going to do it. I, I promise. That's like not. having your cake and eating it too. Well, Father, we'll, we'll see it. We'll see if I get to have my cake and eat it too. Um, <laughs> but speaking of cake, Cake is Eternal is one of our Patreon supporters. Uh, so are you, Starfleet Boy. So I just wanted to say thank you to everyone who helps us out on Patreon, in- including Gay Clevin Lundstrom, Crazy Dutchie, Joanne Robertson, Quarks Bar, and our anonymous supporters. Thank you all so much. So in addition to subscribing to the YouTube channel, if you re- really want to go the extra mile and help us out, you can chip in on Patreon. We have different tiers, different perks. You can come in as low as $2 a month, and that will get you into the Text Trek watch-alongs we do every month over in the Text Trek Discord. And uh, yeah, I think we're going to do one September 17th, I believe, Saturday. They're always on Saturdays. Uh, we're going to be talking about the, or we're going to be watching actually the episode of Fistful of Datas, the Western episode of Next Generation. So that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. So all that out of the way, though, we do have a fun episode to talk about, or at least I thought it was a fun episode, the least dangerous game. I'm going to recap the episode real quick by reading the official synopsis, and then we'll kind of expand on that with spoilers, and then we'll say what we think about it. But the Official synopsis reads, on a tropical paradise planet, Mariner questions Commander Ransom on how he structures his away team. Boimler makes a bold career decision. 
And yeah, Mariner basically uh, tries to go rogue and then is like, oh no, I'm going to act like I didn't go rogue. And then Ransom's like, good job for not going rogue. While Boimler uh, is going to try to be as bold as possible and agrees to let a very scary alien hunt him. Uh, like Predator or Prey, I guess more topical, but like Predator or Prey style. Uh, or Herogen, I guess, if you watch Star Trek. Yeah, I'm just going to uh, go around the room and ask each of us to kind of share our opening statement on this episode, just the broad impressions before we talk about the specifics. I'll, uh, I'll go first real quick, then I promise I'll shut up, and we can hear something from Starfleet Boy and Rachel. Just My, my, my opening thoughts on this episode, uh, I thought it was uh, cool that they were setting up the story arcs for the rest of the season with the Mariner and Ransom stuff, you know, he he's kind of like her probation officer. He's kind of the one, uh, you know, keeping an eye on her. It's going to be his decision if she gets to stay on the Cerritos or maybe even stay in Starfleet. So uh, we're seeing uh, that go in a certain direction while also giving Boimler his season-long story arc that Mike McMahon has talked about where he's going to be the, the bold Boimler. Uh, something Mike McMahon mentioned, uh, I think, what was it, San Diego Comic-Con that I... I thought that might have been what they were getting into last week when Boimler was saying, like, oh, yeah, go ahead and share all my embarrassing logs. I don't care. Uh, so I was like, oh, yeah, that's kind of bold. But no, I guess it's here. We, we see, like, the motivation comes from Vendome being made captain. And so Boimler is like, OK, I need to follow in Vendome's footsteps and rise through the ranks like he did. But, yeah, they're kind of each learning to be a little bit more like the other one, right? Like, you know, Mariner's typically the bold character. So Boimler's having to be, like, a little bit more Mariner. And then Boimler tends to be, like, a little bit more, like, by the books. So Mariner's having to learn to be a little bit more by the books. And I don't think this episode had like as big of grand or flashy stuff as last week's episode, but I like that it kind of has consequences, that it kind of changes the status quo a little bit. And because of that, I think I actually prefer this episode over last week's. Last week's was like a big grand opening of the season and everything, but it just kind of, you know, hit the reset button at the end. So I kind of like this a bit more where they're they're moving things in certain directions. Oh, and it was also cool to see like t attendee and Boimler scene, see like them hanging out on the ship and then, you know, Rutherford and Mariner on a mission together, kind of changing those, uh, the way that they pair up the characters a little bit. But uh, so, okay, I'll finally shut up. Uh, Starfleet Boy, what were your, uh, your broad uh, impressions on The Least Dangerous Game? Broad strokes, I just got to say that uh, say, I agree with you that this episode somehow was a little bit funnier uh maybe more yeah i might have enjoyed it more even though it's less you know epic as as the opener was mm -hmm. but uh lord i i tune into lower decks to to laugh and it always delivers but then you get a ton more and i just think it's cool to see the characters going in new directions this season boimler taking charge and i know they're setting it up for something big like he's he's gonna like lose it or something you know just like there's all this anticipation and stuff like that and uh, you know, the whole Mariner thing, like how long is she going to take, you know, uh, Ransom's, uh, you know, degrading and all that stuff. So it's it's just like to me, I think the season so far is is delivering past what I'd hoped. Uh, uh, K, what is the name? Cranch? Cranch? Cranch. Uh, yeah. Cranch was incredibly designed and just the whole that whole story was so much fun i want to see him in live action and you know it was just it was it was it was done well lord x does this really cool thing where like they kind of like make you think something's gonna a situation's gonna turn you know it's like a favorite trope of theirs where a situation's gonna turn out like a certain way and then it ends up being like just wholesome and delightful <laughs> it's like exactly what they did this uh this episode with with uh Cranch's character in a weird way but yeah so i i really liked it i'm looking forward to breaking it down with you guys and and talking deeper about it awesome well uh rachel uh what about you give us your opening thoughts on this episode i really enjoyed it um i think 
that there was a lot, I think there's maybe more time for jokes this episode, they're not having to set, a, set up, I mean, they are setting up the rest of the season, but not having to, like, set up as la- much as they had to do last week. I feel like there was good stories for, like, ev- all the main cast in this episode, and even a lot of the, like, some of the people that are not in the main cast, and I sometimes uh, problems just lower decks that has such short episodes, and I think doesn't isn't able to serve every character, like, as well in each episode, and I feel like this episode really did. Yeah, they uh, all all four of the the main characters all had some memorable stuff. I mean, I guess Tindy not a ton, but what was there is pretty memorable. I liked her, you know, giving advice to Boimler. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was cool. And she looked sexy in the towel, so that was a uh... good for her. <laughs> <laughs> she does. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, we'll just go ahead and get into the episode breakdown. We're gonna run through this whole thing beat by beat. Talk about both of the main story arcs, and then. Uh, at the end of the show, we'll go through the uh, the Gorn eggs. Those are all the, the Easter eggs, in-jokes, and continuity connections. And uh, There's some fun stuff in there. I actually found a, a big goof. They messed up. They got something wrong. Lower Decks got something wrong. They, they have a good track track record of getting things right, but they got something wrong. And there, there's also another oh. Easter egg I found that I haven't heard anyone else point out, so uh, I might be the, the first to reveal this to y'all. But We'll just start off with the, the opening of the episode there at the beginning when they're playing their tabletop uh, RPG, uh, Batleths and... Banots is that that's how you say that right? That's uh, one of the Klingon words for like the the dishonored. They they have a few different. <laughs> they have a few different types of dishonored. But yeah, this is you know obviously inspired on like D and D. It's B and B. I want to play Klingon D and D so badly. <laughs> Everything. Yeah, it looks like hella fun. You could have Martok voiced by JG Hertzler as as your uh, DM in in this I game. Also so. Find it- funny because i i a conversation i've had with friends is how with like star trek characters like even play dungeons and dragons and i said that they would play it on the holodeck but this is kind of fun it's like no you get a a, a like a virtual version of this amazing hero to be your gm yeah so that i think that's interesting that yeah instead of like having one of your friends be the be the gm it's like the, this actual you know famous klingon it's a ferengi knockoff mm-hmm. holographic recreation of them and I kind of like that they're just doing it as, you know, tabletop game stuff with, you know, little little figures instead of running around on the holodeck. Because it's kind of like, that's kind of the point of, like, these these RPG games is, like, now, like, you know, we don't have to play those now. We could play, like, video games where, like, it creates all of, yeah. like, the, the characters and monsters and everything. But, like, it's, there's kind of a, an appeal to just, you know, using your imagination, and so I, I like the I like the idea of like that continuing in the future. I would love if we continue to see more of this, kind of like how yeah. they would play poker on the next generation. Maybe uh, yes. th- maybe they they play this on the Cerritos. That's really great uh, kind of connection to uh, TNG. But you were also making me think like the the kind of return of this kind of gaming is pretty awesome because there is a lot of connection that you can make with your fellow humans, you know, and that's mm-hmm. always a good thing. I love tabletop RPGs. Yeah, they're like one of my favorite things. <laughs> Yeah, it's gotten like more popular. I think I think the the trend has certainly hit like a resurgence uh, recently. I think even Star Trek has kind of this kind of like meta in so many ways because even Star Trek has like a a little D and D group with uh, Noah Averback cuts and um, yeah Anthony Rapp and uh, and Blue uh, Del Barrio and uh, Ian Alexander and, and I, I forget someone Mary Mary Wiseman plays too. And I know Star Trek has like has Star Trek Adventures, which is their own uh, right. tabletop RPG. And then this is also a reference, which I'm probably you're probably gonna reference, I think, in the Easter eggs. But to like the in the '90s, there were these VHS type of 
interactive yeah. uh, sort of things and <laughs> I, I didn't play them personally but uh we on on our twitter spaces we went off like for like 15 20 minutes just talking about those because a lot mm-hmm. of folks played them and then i saw the videos on youtube there's some the footage is on youtube and it's pretty fun what, what i really liked about it was that the the virtual martok is that when he asked you know how many klingon warriors are going into battle today and tindy says four and then he responded like i heard four like it it felt like it was a you know, a computer or something talking to you, where it's like, you know, it's like asking for confirmation. Like, I heard four, you know, please confirm. Uh, is that correct or not? So I, I, I like right. that little detail. And also, at some point, like, Boimler rolls the dice, is, is D20. And uh, the the way that the die landed in front of the pad, the Martok on the pad, like, looked at, he, like, looked at the die. Uh. So it was like this cool little, like, oh, like, the character on the pad is actually going to look at your dice, like, look towards it. I don't know. It just, it just seemed like it would be, like, a really cool use of interactive technology it it, it felt pretty uh, well realized they're doing it off of a pad but i mean uh, you know you could theoretically produce a hollow of him to be the gm yeah but then and, it, you know, I, th- I think it would have felt more like he, it was actually like mark it would have felt more like a character on the show not like right. a, not like a, a computer program no no i know i agree i'm just saying like yeah. that's the interesting thing is it is super cool how you can scale it into any device basically mm-hmm. you know i love that they're dressed up Gotta gotta stick to the theme to play the game. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah Boimler has his, his Klingon forehead on. <laughs> well, they they use the scene to set up both of the main plots of the episode. You know, uh, Ransom is being a hard ass to Mariner when he he's chiming her like you're you're almost late for being early and. <laughs> Uh, and also the the Boimler thing with with Vindome, where he I, I, Vindome, I guess apparently just went like Chris Pine and just like shot up the ranks <laughs> to captain immediately. So Good for him. yeah, I, I was wondering like we ain't seen Vindome in a while. Like oh I yeah he's not even on the ship anymore. He's he's in command of his own Cali class ship. So I I guess the uh, the storyline that we'll talk about first is the Mariner and Ransom stuff, the Dulane mission that they go to to repair the orbital lifts while there's also some diplomatic stuff that needs to be done. And, and the way that Ransom does this is he has the engineers go do the diplomacy and then have the command officers do the engineering as this kind of a kind of a test for. Well, maybe he's trying to be like Pike and rotate people into different jobs. <laughs> yeah. Is that a Pike thing? Yeah, on the on Stranging Worlds, do you all remember? Um, he was like, uh, sometime in the beginning, in one of the first episodes, they were saying how like, uh, uh, Captain Pike likes to rotate people when they're ensigns or or cadets, uh, oh, throughout yeah. every part of the ship, and that's what Uhura kind of. Well, that was just, that's just a standard thing for all cadets, right? Nog did that on Deep maybe, Space that's Nine. True. Oh, you're right. Yeah, that's I good. think it's that's I think it's just training for cadets to be like, hey, make sure you actually know what you want to do. <laughs> yeah, it was true. more of like right. trying to test mariner to see how well she can show restraint knowing that she would want to go be part of the fun diplomatic we should say the diplomatic mission is like oh yeah you get to uh make out with hot sexy people and have what was it like a a a drinking contest uh judge (laughs) a a wrestling competition um eat a a a feast (laughs) i'd be so i feel like it's so intrusive that they uh kiss you with tongue <laughs> i don't know if i'd be down well, with that um... <laughs> i don't i don't know man. <laughs> right, <I'm> like... <laughs> when in when in uh what is their planet called i don't know delane delane yeah delane yeah <laughs> when in delane well, it's funny because because Riker said the same thing about the uh the ito in the episode justice That's which right. I, I think there's a lot of inspiration taken from there but he says oh, definitely when in rome yeah uh, the funny thing was like Worf was like winning where sir it's like 
Worf, you grew up in Russia and went to college in San Francisco. How the hell do you not know where Rome is, you yeah, idiot? Ridiculous. You, you ridiculous. Should figure, you should know where Rome is. It was before they figured out his backstory. No one knew he grew yeah. up on Earth. Nope. No, what I found interesting, I was like thinking it's like almost like Mariners on a like P, like what we call like a PIP in like Worf now. Like the performance improvement plan. Oh, oh God, yeah, yeah. Pips. That's exactly Freaking yeah, like pip. <laughs> she had to go go like sign some pa- she had like a meeting with hr and they yeah. had to like sign some papers and yeah take so. your pip and shove it <laughs> sorry <laughs> but yeah not, that's exactly not, what she's on she's like on her last uh I'm she's not, like <laughs> i'm not saying this is what they're doing here but i feel like a lot of time real world real world pips are just like we want to fire you so we need an excuse to do it so right yeah we, one of these. we need a paper trail so we don't have to pay you unemployment Mm-hmm. <laughs> no starfleet's a little Terrible. better like i think also they don't need money they probably like i'll get i food for everything so there probably is no unemployment because there's no currency i don't understand how money works in star trek <laughs> yeah well at least on earth you don't need it for anything but yeah uh, and you can have as much of it if you're going to places that require money as you need because mm-hmm. the entire there's still a banking system of some kind but it's just not it's just so there's so much that it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's like imagine if every citizen of the Federation had like a, a trillion, you know, credits or whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, I backing them. I think some Federation planets use money just based on things that are said in, in continuity in the show. Like the Bolians have banks and stuff. They talk about the banks of Bolia or whatever. But on Earth, on Earth specifically, there's there's no money. Yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people seem to think that that applies to the entire Federation, but that's never been stated on screen, as far as I recall. Oh, good point. That's how I, I kind of assumed yeah. it was like that. The, my assumption was that, like, if there was commerce, or you know, it was, it was just more of a formality uh, to have currency than anything else, because the Federation would would extend its uh, unlimited, seemingly unlimited resources to you. I kind of liked Ransom's <laughs> attitude of like, I'm going to work out while I'm repairing this system at the same time you know two birds one stone i get it but then he's you know he's kind of in over his head where he's having to like look up youtube video tutorials later to figure out what he's doing that's funny no as it, cause at first i was like kind of on board i was like oh rance is trying to like do like you know of a hard like a hard work like teacher like to value hard work and then i was like oh but you don't know how to do this either i was like oh there's a disaster happening this <laughs> is Joel in our live audience is pointing out that Billups was strangely into it for being ace. I guess talking about like you know <laughs> making out with the aliens and stuff. I'm like, yeah, I thought that was a little little weird too. But I mean, I guess maybe he's ace, but not a romantic. Yeah, or like maybe like he's okay with kissing, but doesn't want to go. I guess past first base to use probably uh outdated and problematic parlance. But <laughs> there's the the moment where he's chilling out by the pool where he's talking about. Uh, you know, all the fun stuff they're doing. And, and Ransom says, well, don't accidentally become a king. And, and Billups kind of dismisses that lie. Like, oh, that's not going to happen. You know, I'm busy doing all this other stuff. So you could also read that as like, yes, yeah, sex is still a low priority for him. Mm-hmm. Also, he might be caught up in the whole cultural thing. Like, oh, this is exciting. <laughs> I I have to kind of try kissing for this. So maybe I'll have a different perspective on it. You know, like, it's, mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, speaking of uh, the currency talk from a second ago, uh, let's get dirgy. Hi, Jill, and in, in our live audience is saying, uh, "Isik for your thoughts." Talk about the uh, the Vulcan currency. Uh, oh, right. Isics. I don't know. Did you have any other thoughts on the the way that the ransom split up their their duties before we talk about the uh, the rescue mission 
Yeah, I like I like that even they thought it was odd, and you know, he, you could tell. I think uh, PJ was saying how Ransom uh, was doing this out of spite, not for like a real. There was no real like yeah. lesson or anything like that, and um, so I thought that was interesting that he's just like he's so mad at Mariner for like all the times that she like, and we saw her do it so much last season, like where she would kind of like use her captain's daughter's privilege. Did she do it all the him, time you know? last season? Like just well, in the, I'm assuming. Just in the sorry, first episode. I guess I'm assuming. No, but she kind of like, I don't know. I feel like that was probably like one. I, we didn't see it all the time. You're right. But I, I'm assuming the, the, it happened. But the point of that episode is like he was yeah. pretty pissy about yeah. it. Pissed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and he was like, it, you know, it, it's been weighing on him. So I think he's definitely letting, you know, taking it very personally and letting letting her uh, kind of have it in a way here. So <laughs> I thought that was interesting. I did think also that the when we before the season started and we saw the tra- trailers, uh since the the species that we're visiting the uh, delanians are is it the delanians right yes the delaney that's right uh, they they reminded me in the trailer of like maybe we'll see the we'll return to that planet with vol yeah the, from the uh, apple because they had that kind of that's, same that's vo- what i yeah, was thinking apple, yeah. yeah yeah same thing so that those were my two things and but i was glad that it's a new species because it makes sense there's so many variations of humanoids and human-like yeah. things there's like mentakins you know that look like romulans and there's like well you know like vulcanoids and stuff so it's cool that you have like orangish colored species as well <laughs> <laughs> they do have a similar society to to the apple though like you know with this whole worshiping of a uh, like a volcanic thing or whatever and know? a computer and a computer yeah that's right and a baby <laughs> and a psychic baby that's swaddled by the way i saw your tweet <laughs> so my my problem with ransom in this episode is I, I i actually think here at the beginning like yeah like he has you know it makes sense he's trying to, to test mariner be like can you show restraint can you do the 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 boring more labor intensive duties while the other crew members are out having fun you know can you be the disciplined one to to focus on the job where i think he gets a little carried away is that when they get the report back from from billups and Rutherford that they're in over their head and, and like it's starting to look like their lives might be in danger and he's still mm-hmm. telling Mariner like don't worry about it just focus on the work here I think that is when Ransom is being a little weird and out of line and that kind of yeah. bothered me it went on like up to, I, I feel like Ransom waited a beat, a, like too many beats to the fact where when Mariner went down I was like good I think they're about to die yeah like, <laughs> yeah it, like, and he does admit, to be fair, he does admit that he's wrong by the end. But yeah, I just, yeah. I, I got to knock off some points of this episode just for that. They they draw that out just too long, stretched a little too far for me. Hey, Father, I've noticed this twice now. Um, this season, do the characters have fingernails on close-ups? Because I feel like last season, no, like before, no one had fingernails. Um, that is a good oh. question. I will have to go and check season two. Yeah. That's the second. Boyms had fingernails when he was holding his pad earlier, and then now, or whatever he was holding, and now uh, Ransom's got fingernails too. And I never noticed that before in Lower Deck, so maybe it's new. <laughs> it's funny. I was thinking that it would have made more sense that I don't know if maybe for their arrangement, um, maybe Ransom has to stay with Mariner, but it would have made more sense to leave her up there with Billups and have him go with Rutherford if he really wanted her to do engineering stuff. <laughs> that way, there was someone who knew what to do on each side. <laughs> Joel has a good question. Can the uh, Delanians not repair the elevator or are or they just couldn't reach the top? Because, like, all the equipment's Delanian. Like, they have that sun on it and Right. Stuff I and mean, and apparently they have like... their own YouTube tutorial videos on how to fix <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, it's... 
I think the uh, that Starfleet is just like so friendly that they're like, oh, we can get like the uh, the Starfleeters to come fix it for us, so uh, right we can on. stay yeah, here true. and and you know play volleyball next to the volcano or whatever the hell they do down there. <laughs> uh, but I like Mariner's uh, Dulanian. I don't know what would you call it. The uh, it's not an environmental suit, but the the skydiving suit. Yeah, uh, was... skydiving. I was in skydiving your flight suit. <laughs> It is some kind of environmental suit because I imagine at higher altitudes they have to wear this if they're if they're doing repairs outside because it does go into beyond. It seems the the space elevator seems. I mean, sorry, what is it? The um, orbital lift. Called it something. Don't call it a space elevator. It's an orbital lift. Damn it! (laughs) The orbital lift tends seems to go out past the stratosphere of the planet. So who knows? (laughs) So yeah, I think it might be a kind of EV suit. I did like the. That you push the little sun and it tightens. Is that the first time we're seeing that in Star Trek 2? I don't think we've seen like a uh, adjusting suit. Happening. I know, but I, I love that. I don't know what that originated for. Like maybe like the the sh- Spider Man. I feel like. Well, uh, or no, Marty McFly. I was thinking like the the, the, the shoes yeah. and Back to the Future too. You know when they and also his jacket. Did yeah, that. And the his jacket, jacket did that. Yeah, yeah. I, I got yeah. that. That looked cool. That was a cool little. You know, a, a practical effect would be like a, a harder thing to do, but that's one of those things where it's like easy to do in animation. It's just like, oh yeah, it's baggy, and then it gets uh, tight. And the uh, spectacle of like diving out of the space elevator—that's something that you typically wouldn't do on a on a TV show budget either. But you know, animation helped them out there too. And a nice reference that I'm sure you'll go over later. <laughs> but it was it was funny when when she got like the call from Ransom where he was like, uh, "You're you know what? You were right. We should go help them. I'll I'll, I'll meet you and and we'll we'll go down there together." And she has to go all the way back up the the elevator. Uh, if I would, if that was her, I would have been like, "Okay, I'm, you know, I'm right there. I'm he- I'm heading out right now. I'm, don't don't worry if I get there weirdly fast. Don't worry about it." <laughs> I also like that he was late because like that she she made it on time because he had to go to the, the to little the, commander's the, room uh, rachel you're a you would be a better liar than mariner <laughs> i don't know what that says about you but yeah but that would that, that would be a believable excuse right yeah i'm just too lazy to go back up there like, now that you have it up on the screen i forgot that there's a whole like uh rock climbing section yeah there, there's like the a rock freaking... climbing wall because <laughs> because they're a a fitness-based a wellness based society yeah. so it's like yeah like get your uh your rock climb workout going back up the elevator what like the lateral like be strenuous <laughs> enough also like if you need to get there in a hurry you have to do these like complex maneuvers because she's also doing it free she's free climbing <laughs> there's just i love when she's exhausted oh yeah so she falls she's dead <laughs> that might have been a little uh also a thing that's a little hard to believe was when yeah she passes out back when the, <laughs> I the second the, the second skydive <laughs> when she goes down with ransom like <laughs> she's literally snoring in her helmet but uh, I, I, I mean it. realistic no hilarious yes <laughs> um what do y'all think about like the actual i guess sacrifice uh the of attempted sacrifice i should say of rutherford and billups like these people go pretty extreme if they're just gonna death penalty you for not having the appropriate belly button i mean i figured because it was based off justice where they were they were ready to kill wesley just for like smashing flowers yeah it was crazy for smashing flowers at at a certain time Right, like if it happened any other time, no biggie. Yeah. <laughs> it's just that like you have to die now because you did it in the during the death time or death. And time. Wesley Crusher, who is literally a child, <laughs> yeah, it's fourteen, being tried as an adult. Uh, yeah, boat wrecking our live audience is pointing out the uh, the system of checks and balances 
you know what? Good for them. Well, hopefully it works better than the uh, the system of checks and balances in our society. Is that... Well, I was going to say, it really, it doesn't seem like it does because there's, like, no consent. There's, like, no uh, discourse. They all, like, just agree to kill them. They're all like, no, no, they're, <laughs> like, there's there's no checks and balances. No one was on the... No one's no one was on the uh the Starfleet guys side on their on their team. It had to be Ransom who had to come in and do his sure. thing. <laughs> we got it's Nandrick the psychic baby, his co-leader the computer three five five, and then the volcanic lord Morgo. <laughs> and for whatever reason, like the way that like the volcano spoke, like the way that the lava lit up, it made me think of the Excalibur in the original series episode, mm. uh, the Savage Curtain. It's kind of like a molten rock creature, also, right? Yeah. So yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot of TOS totally. throwbacks. There, there haven't been psychic babies before, as far as I can recall. <laughs> but the, uh... well, I mean, he wasn't psychic, but uh, Baylock, right? Like, oh yeah, he's kind of Baylock looking. <laughs> like... Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like that same voice, right? Like, uh, you are yeah. wise, Starfleet. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I would imagine that's probably more that it's easier to animate a baby than like get a parent to agree to bring a baby to a set and be like, I don't know, try to make it look like it's talking. <laughs> yes, especially if it's a psychic baby and you don't have to, like, make the mouth move. It just communicates via mm-hmm. thought. Are Betazoid babies psychic uh, like that? Are they able to be tell- Are they able to read thoughts at even infant? Um, they probably don't. They probably just have, like, a, it's like when you talk to a baby and they don't really, like, understand what you're saying, but, you know, they figure it out over time, I would think. But, yeah, yeah. A, a totally yeah. telepathic society is an interesting thing. I, I wish they would explore betazoid more maybe maybe we'll get more betazoid someday i wish they did a david lynch and everyone whispered what they were thinking so we could like, <laughs> like, like uh, sorry I Rachel, wonder, no i was because i've always been fascinated by better society i wonder if it's like something where like i could see like a baby maybe able to like read their parents thoughts or like maybe just like feelings and like mm-hmm. the same way a baby doesn't know how to like communicate that it's it's just always sad to be like, it's happy, 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 sad. Figure out what's sad. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if, you, if you're in an entire race of telepaths, you know, you would have, there'd be no lying, there'd be no dishonesty, there'd be no secrets, there'd be no blackmail. There'd Like, it'd be really, really weird, you know? That, that'd be I very mean, different. Isn't that basically what that society is? God, I cannot remember what that episode is called. But the one where you find out about Deanna's sister? Uh, Dark, pa- Dark Page, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, she's you're working right. in that society that has only does te- telepathy, and they're like, she's keeping something private, mm. and Deanna just assumed like, yeah, she had some private thoughts. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, I need to rewatch that episode because I've always kind of disliked it, but I've I-, I heard like the Women at Warp podcast, which I'm a big fan of, and they they did a good episode on it recently, and it was like, yeah, I need to reevaluate Dark Page, so maybe yeah, maybe I'll give that. I up. appreciate it. It's something like I don't remember enjoying that one as a kid. I remember watching it as an adult and be like, it affected me more as an adult. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what some of them were saying too. So yeah, I need to, I need to reevaluate it. Uh, the thing that I liked most though here in, in, at the the volcano sacrifice though in in, in this episode was there's kind of a sweet moment between rutherford and billups where uh yeah. rutherford's like it's been an honor sir and then bill's like uh it sure has samantha or you know whatever they say but yeah i kind of like that uh that bromance that they have that they, they establish like how much uh respect they have for each other okay there was a time in season one where i was like are we supposed to be shipping them because they're kind of adorable <laughs> yeah i agree <laughs> yeah although I, I think i think rutherford and tindy i think that's gonna be a slow burn romance I, I so at some too. point well, especially because it does not seem like 
uh, Billups would be super into a romantic relationship. <laughs> yeah, Billups is only in love with uh, with engineering. He likes warp cores and plasma relays, and that's uh, that's where his passions lie. Mm-hmm. I've heard that theory about Jordy too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Picard season three, he's uh, we'll, we'll we'll see where uh, how Jordy ended up. Mm-hmm. I like that Ransom is instantly oiled too. By the way, it's all shiny and stuff. Yeah, when Ransom like... rips off his uh, his uniform, what is under his shirt? That's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just well. I mean, like a lot of times, you know, when Kirk is sh- is shirtless in the original series, he's always uh, shiny like that. So maybe it's supposed to be sweat. They are next to a volcano. He's he's glistening. <laughs> One thing that always bothers me in shows and movies and stuff when they're on like the edge of a volcano, I just assume there'd be like so much like fumes and stuff rising from the volcano that you you just be like coughing the entire time, like the the smoke and the ash and everything. They're like they're in in Star Trek specifically. They could be like since they have space elevators, <laughs> they could be like the Baku and they have like a a shielding system. Does smoke <laughs> come out of lava? Like I don't know exactly how that works. It might it might. Because it, as it as it gets into contact with the rocks around it and yeah. starts to like get, but mm-hmm. but I mean there there's a lot of smoke I think in actual eruptions because of all mm-hmm. the material that's being like destroyed as that it's happening, sense. but I think during a regular like lava like where lava is just kind of sitting like where it's mm-hmm. like a lake or whatever I bet there's not a lot of smoke but there's still yeah. probably like very dangerous fumes like there's sulfur yeah. and like all kinds and, of other oh things. yeah and I I used to work in an aluminum smelter and yeah like you ah, you can't yeah, stand right. over like molten material without a a respirator or like a gas mask mm-hmm. or something on because it'll just like there's just so much stuff in that smoke that it'll make you fair, movies and tvs also have people just walk away from explosions all the time <laughs> yeah i mean it, it's time. a space volcano so i don't, I don't know yeah. i don't know how the uh molten material works on the the dulane planet i imagine they feel they feed this volcano very healthy uh oh actually yeah healthy diet of like uh well uh, you know people yeah, who are very into wellness <laughs> of starfleet officers <laughs> or whatever you know like or whatnot there was an interesting conversation that came came up in our twitter spaces that we do um where it was pointed out that like you know wellness and and health often in tv and films like the this this is the vision of it like jack ransom like with abs mm-hmm. and stuff like that but that it's important to remember that in real life there's a lot of different wellness is a, is a spectrum and like you don't have to have the jack ransom you know uh fit body type to to like be you know healthy and and in shape like there's different body types and and all of them have different levels of fitness sure but i, I think these are supposed to be like very like superficial people that's part yeah, of the joke I agree. right there's so. a commentary there is definitely a commentary yeah because that's an aspect society. of our of our uh, society definitely the cult the cultish kind of like uh health health type of <laughs> yeah you know uh movements that we have yeah, yeah it's always like a little unhealthy when you take like one very specific aspect of your life and you kind of build your entire identity around that thing around i know that. like Uh-oh. i run the risk of doing that with star <laughs> trek i apologize i promise i like i talk about other stuff sometimes run the so. risk i've already uh, crossed that line i'm i need help i need a 12-step program <laughs> I, <laughs> I remember the last time i went to half price books i just happened to find a lot of star trek stuff and i looked it up i swear i have other interests like, <laughs> <laughs> me too yeah. ask ask me I, about texas barbecue or heavy metal music or uh, a whole bunch nice. of other things ask me about lord of the rings by the way but not here on text track because you'll get muted <laughs> <laughs> There's also a very, very cool Easter egg in the scene that I'll, I'll mention later when I go through the the. Is that eggs. the one that you think no one else has seen? No, yet? I ain't heard no one else mention it yet. All right, cool. Nice. 
What up? <laughs> yeah, I guess let's talk about Boimler back on the Cerritos and him and Tindy and, and Boimler trying to wrestle with the fact that Vindome shot up and became captain and, and he's still a, a lowly ensign even in the third season of his show. So, yeah, ten, this is the, the Tindy and a towel scene where, but she gives him the, this cool pep talk where I, I like seeing her kind of take like an aspect of what's going on with her character and remind us, the audience, that, oh yeah, she's on track to become a science officer now, like a like a senior mm-hmm. science officer. You know, they, they hinted at that last week a little bit when she was the one who figured out what was going on with the verugament, the, the space critters and stuff. Yeah. So I was like, oh yeah, she's doing science officer-y things in season three. You know, she kind of tells Boimler that uh, you can't always just, you know, stick to the stick to the plan you started out with. Like, I never thought I would be on this path of going towards becoming a senior science officer, but now I am, and I'm embracing it, and it's been very fruitful for me. So, uh, Boimler agrees. He's just going to say yes to everything, any opportunity that comes along. Mm-hmm. This was such a good plot. Um, you know, Boimler just, I I think Boimler's just like so um perfect for these kinds of scenarios <laughs> like I, I really i really feel like he's relatable to a lot of people who identify as like nerds or geeks or whatever you know just like being awkward uh and stuff like that and so it just reminded me of so many scenarios growing up in my personal life um i i, I feel like uh between mariner and uh boimler tendy and rutherford they're all kind of like four aspects of different periods of of my life and i just like i like the show for obviously what it's doing but i also like how it reminds me of these things and i think they're kind of universal experiences we've all been at our first jobs like you know you know we've all had that like the ensign or the cadet rank in life you know when we're starting out and stuff like that and sure so i i I love that about about the show and uh, i love seeing that and and they just do it's like did you say this earlier father where you just kind of forget you're watching an animated show like that's it's so just the way that it's done it's like it's any other star trek it doesn't feel like you know like i have to stretch myself to like go into this world we get a new character uh sherwin who <laughs> i think i laughed out loud when he uh he invited boimler to come play spring ball and and at first boimler is like oh yeah a lot of uh big meatheads throwing balls at my face no thanks and then sherwin's like you could have just said no man <laughs> that's pretty funny I was like, yeah, boy, but that was actually just kind of rude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he would think perfectly nice. He'd invite <laughs> you to come. Like. But he but he does it, and then he impresses Shax, not with his athleticism, but with his sustained screaming when Shax r- <laughs> runs him over. So then he gets invited to the choir. I I also like that he uh, he uh, casts uh, Boiler as a soprano. <laughs> like... I noticed that, too. What I find... Uh... I, there was a pang of jealousy because I'm an alto. <laughs> I cannot hit those high notes, and apparently Boimler can. <laughs> now, what's the deal with Chief Lundy? I remembered him from season one. He he called uh, Tindy a well, not him, but the hologram of him called Tindy a dirty Orion in the uh, cr- <laughs> Crisis Point uh, episode. I don't know, but I was I with I was with Boimler. I was like, don't say no to whatever's happening here. I, I'd be like, don't say yes. I'm <laughs> well, also. Like, Use yeah. your brain. Something's <laughs> He's so creepy. Uh, but he reminds me of those like kind of uh, what's that movie? Blue Velvet or uh, the David the David Lynch film with the the folks mm. talking kind of weird and backwards ish. Yeah, of, he almost like, sounded like, like a little like Swedish. At, at oh, first. maybe Lundy might be a Swedish name. Actually, uh, now I'm thinking about it. Was it. Just, 
he just had the vibe of like it felt like I was like, are there going to be other people driving Boimler too? Because you feel like you're trying to get him alone somewhere. Boimler did it though. He got oiled up and I, and he, did it. <laughs> what was it? He, he was he didn't get oil. I know he says like oil me up, but like they, I thought they were like doing like oil paintings of him. I, that's what I thought, and then he responded. Oh and yeah, no one he corrected, did say that. No one corrected him. I was like, are they oiling him up? What's happening? What Maybe they're painting Voimler. Because <laughs> they, they needed a skeletal boy to, to sit for. That was a, yeah. that was a scene I wanted to see, by the way. Was naked. <laughs> you didn't get enough nude Voimler in uh, I Excretus? There's never enough nude Voimler. Nude awkward Voimler. <laughs> There's never enough. <laughs> nude awkward Voimler screaming, as a matter I, of fact. Now I now I want to see that scene of him, like, nude drawing, but, like, have it referencing Titanic. <laughs> we know, draw me we know like that. your french girls yeah exactly we know that um we know that <laughs> springtime in the audience control yourself mr sharpie boy <laughs> i captain but uh but i will but i will just say that uh <laughs> i will just say that jack quaid himself is not uh did he do the boiler pose that's funny joel uh jack quaid himself is not afraid of nudity because if you watch his other show uh he definitely uh appears nude in, in that show oh i have not watched the boys interesting <laughs> <laughs> well i don't think they'll go that direction for the uh crossover with strange new worlds but it's possible we have <laughs> we have nude boimler in live action that would be a weird choice like <laughs> by the way on that subject it, it occurs to me that boimler is supposed to be like a short dude and like a real skinny dude and jack quaid is actually like he's not he's not a little man like he's he's over six feet tall we saw him in in chicago uh so he's He's actually. I mean, he's 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 rather slender still, though. Yeah, he's slender, but he's he's no he's there... no. Uh, what did, what did Lundy say? Sixty one point two kilos. Like I think one hundred thirty. Someone was saying one hundred thirty five pounds. Uh, is is on this on the lightweight side? I guess it is if you're yeah. a boxer. Yeah, Jack, or something Jack like Quaid's that, but... bigger than that. But yeah, like I feel like for Boimler's height, which is probably like around average, like five seven or I so, feel like that's probably an going... average weight. To pretend that like yeah this might make sense or maybe Mariner will make a comment like how did you get taller or something like that <laughs> yeah. I, I think they'll probably just ignore it but um I, yeah just, so oh, yeah is Boimler me. taller than Boimler shows up taller than Mariner right or are they the same height no like, I'll, the, I'll keep an eye out for that yeah. yeah but he's definitely shorter than Cranch who towers over him when they they meet in the Cerritos well, bar I think Cranch just <laughs> might Cranch just might be humongous. <laughs> Oh, by the way, real quick aside, the superstarbio.com says that Jack Quaid weighs 187 pounds, which is more what you that's, would think. That for sounds about right. His yeah. Height. yeah. But uh, yeah, let's talk about Cranch, who is, for a scary looking dude, is very polite. You know, his... I love it. <laughs> and Nolan North did a really great job with the voice. Like, he always sounds like very scary and alien and kind of like animal-like and, and, you know, not human at all but he has very uh you know very good manners he's he's just explaining you know like oh uh my my species has an irresistible drive to hunt can i please hunt you i don't know why they just didn't stick them on the holodeck you know that's what they did with the herogen and voyager that's what they would have done if bormler wasn't in his yes mode uh, because everyone with sense is like, uh, no, you can't hunt me. And someone would have definitely said at some point, but if you go to the holodeck, no. you can totally hunt. Maybe Tindy like... should have suggested the holodeck instead of like, <laughs> oh, maybe, uh, Dr. Tiana can help you in sick bay. But, uh, but yeah, Boimler does say yes pretty quickly. Twice. <laughs> Do we think 
this is the like alien that's supposed to um like like be hunting Toph in Deep Space Nine. No, I don't think no, so. No, because it would have been... Is it? Oh, wait, do we ever see... Yeah, we do see those guys, yeah. and they look just like Tosk. They don't... They, they don't. Well, look, no, they don't, actually. They look different. They have hair. They're, they're like yeah, a classic like, 90s oh. Michael Westmore alien. I guess I do. It's been a long time since I watched that episode. I can only remember what Tosk looked like. Was one of those aliens played by uh, Admiral Jarok actor? The actor who played Admiral Jarok, I feel like? Uh, it's the same actor, I think, who plays one of those aliens, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, that's a good point. He needed to get pictures from the hunt. The holodeck might not have been good. Oh, How does true. the holodeck like photograph? <laughs> this is wild that he breaks his tooth off and marks him with his green fluorescent blood on his forehead. Yeah. I really like loved all this, like the insanity of this like moment. like the the uh <laughs> like the ritual of it and then how he kind of like creepily like, you know, slips away to the back of the bar. For a moment I was wanting to go like Simba. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that connection, but when we see him doing his ritual when he's like getting like high off those candles, it like makes his eyes all weird and scary looking. And the, I think I laughed out loud again here at the three types of prey, where he's like, you know, the first type is immobilized by fear, the second type flees and tries to hide, and and then was like, what about the third type? He's like, oh, that's a, a winged reptile. It doesn't really apply to you. <laughs> <laughs> We we get to pay a visit to us uh, Citation Ops again when when Boimler's fleeing yeah. the uh, the boomerang that's tracking them and Kimolo and Matt. I'm, I'm, it's so funny when they were like, "Ill, you went in there with your shoes on." Yeah, like, like that's messed like, up. Like, don't come in here with dirty shoes. <laughs> what would it? What would a whale say? That's like the equivalent of like, "Do you live in a barn?" Like, <laughs> do you live or on were, land? Were you raised <laughs> instead of were you raised in a barn? Would it be like I don't know? Were you raised in a I don't know barnacle filled? I don't know. Or were you raised on land? I guess it would just be like, you know, like, like oh, I was trying to think of like a like I was trying to. See, the only thing I came up with like, were you raised like on the Jersey Shore or some, some <laughs> beach there? I think they're funny when they're mad though. I like I like when the these yeah. belugas get mad. I don't know, just like the the animation. <laughs> they're funny when they're mad or when they're very into Rutherford. Yeah, <laughs> when they're mad or when they're horny. Yeah, it's true. Which is kind of, I guess, what whales always are. But, uh, but well, that's so dreadful. Wait, are they whales or are they dolphins? They're they're belugas. They're uh, belugas, okay. which are what are they? Right? They're cetaceans, I guess. So it's like, um, they, they, like but uh, but that uh, the character Cranch. Uh, uh, a lot of folks are comparing him to the predator, and I kind of never saw it, but now I'm seeing it. Oh a lot yeah, more. But, but yeah, he's like, I can see he had like it. a predator yeah. type vision when he was like scanning yeah. Tindy and scanning Boimler. Right. I I love the moment of him and and the captain though when you know the yeah thanks again for the mimosas like <laughs> just like he's he's so polite and even I want to I want to have a mimosa. <laughs> yeah, even even Captain yeah, Freeman too. being like, oh that Cranch, he's quite the charmer. <laughs> Ma'am, you're married. <laughs> they really utilized JG Hertzler though when we get the motivational Klingon speech from him to to Boimler about how uh, don't don't let your foe define who you are and you know that that that's, that encourages him to for the prey to become the the hunter, the hunted to become the hunter. Mm-hmm. And he has this Rambo moment. I did see this joke coming a mile away where where Boimler's like giving the speech about how you know he's not going to lay down, he's not going to give up, he's going to take a stand and, and then all of a sudden yeah he's just speared through the chest and and cranch just oh, wanted a yeah, selfie of course. It's Boimler. <laughs> which i guess is a commentary on these like hunters although they don't do it they don't let their 
prey live, but these hunters that take stupid trophy photos over their their kill. But yeah. this was kind of triggering for me. I don't like hunting myself personally, um, unless it's necessary. Um, you know, like I don't I like it as a sport. I guess they were comparing it to something like Catherine release fishing, which is like we're doing this right. the, uh, the activity of fishing, but we're not actually trying to kill it. I also just don't like that because when I used to do that as a kid, it always bothered me. Even though they said it's safe that the the fish would be mauled by it, they would have these like holes well, from Doctor Mbinga like... goes fly fishing at Starbase One. I know, I know, he does. I know, I know, wow. but still, I'd, I'd say something to him. <laughs> <laughs> but, but here, here with Cranch, he got consent from his prey. You know, he asked like, "Is That's it okay true. if I I'm hunt not... you?" That it's a complicated true. thing. You're absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with what they were doing. I'm just saying it's a triggering thing for me. <laughs> At least I wonder if it's like I guess similar to like m- like not like modern fox hunting where they're not actually like chasing a fox at all. They just have to get smelled. Like sure. So the but... dog, so the dogs just go chase a scent and then they go find a person. But oh, okay. But it's unclear to me if the fox. Oh, they're not chasing a fox anymore, right? Is that what no, you're saying? I, they're oh, chasing... okay. I like that. I. I'm pretty sure what they're chasing is the scent of fox urine. I think it's all going to change when we have these, like, you know, robots, like, in yeah. Westworld, you know, like... The idea the... is that the people <laughs> wanted to still do the activity of going out with their dogs and, like, going running with them for a yeah, fox exactly. hunt, but they're like, no, the fox killing part is kind of messed up. It's kind of messed up, yeah, very... And, like, the running of the bulls, you know, there's some things that are, like, traditions for certain mm-hmm. cultures, and I, I do have to, you know, like, give a little bit of uh, space for that, but just personally, it's just, like, I wish that culture yeah. would move on <laughs> from that activity <laughs> or evolve it perhaps you know like to something like what you just said mm-hmm. i would like to see cranch return i think that there's a possibility that that happens because he tells boimler you know you've earned my respect and i think they might be building to something with boimler here because boimler also he he's owed a favor from shacks and mm-hmm. cranch tells him like oh yeah i'm gonna go tell your captain how uh, great of a job you did honoring and respecting my culture so maybe Boimler will rise in the eyes of the captain. So I don't know. Maybe uh, Boimler will be bold this season and impress all these people. And then we'll see it have a big payoff at some point. That's my yeah. prediction. I'm yeah. wondering if we're getting, I guess it's hard because the premise of the show is that they're the lower decks, but it kind of was like, eventually they have to get promotions, right? Well, <laughs> not if you're Harry Kim. Well, or, you know who had it worse? I bring this up all the time, but Travis Mayweather and Hoshi Sato, they were both ensigns oh, for 10 God. years. Because we see them at, in 2161 in that last episode, and they're both still ensigns. It's not great, all people of color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Asian dude, the <laughs> black dude, and the Asian woman. Never promoted. Yeah. yeah um, you, know, least, you know what I will say about Harry, terrible. though? At least Harry didn't sleep in the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> that's true <laughs> he had his own his own room yeah 20 years an ensign that's like worse than lieutenant picard <laughs> well uh do you have any other <laughs> do you have any other thoughts on boimler and cranch before we talk about the the ending no just just that like again despite what i said earlier about being triggered by hunting it's hilarious it's a very funny <laughs> yeah. gag <laughs> yeah I, I did see a, a lot of the stuff coming like i did the gag of like oh yeah cranch was never actually going to kill him as soon as boimler like stood his ground started talking he's just going to get speared through the chest uh but the the execution of it was uh was was pretty well realized i did love uh because i did not see this coming cranch being like let me give you some advice i was like boiler's not doing this again <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah he uh <laughs> he didn't quite read that very well 
the uh, the other thing I like uh, just overall this season, I, I notice every season the animation improves a little bit, and uh, that's certainly true. Uh, that continues to be true. I mean, like, uh, uh, the animation is just so good. Yeah, gorgeous it's, like, episode. Such, it's, yeah, like, Amazing. also just the way that they move, like, the everything like the the rack focus they do rack focusing where like the foreground or background is blurred depending on who the focal point is of the you know of the scene they they use like uh perspectives that you would see in cinematic or television the lighting the lighting's like, always phenomenal the lighting is very uh, phenomenal like the atmospherics as you said and like even you know the pad has like a sheen to it like a certain like look to it it's just like you, yeah. there's so much texture and the artists working on the show are doing a superb job like at at this so like, you know huge shout out background to like, characters the backgrounds are always very but yeah, the, the background characters aren't yeah. static they're like moving they're blinking and like doing things with their hands and stuff yeah right so, yeah. A, a lot of that, a lot of detail uh but yeah the, the ending you know mariner is like actually like kind of happy and kind of impressed with ransom but then ransom uh, ruins the the moment that they share together where he's just like uh, but, but you know, this doesn't erase all the all the time you gave me insubordination in the past. I still have my eye on you. And <laughs> you know, I'm kind of with Mariner being mad at him at the end. Yeah, she, he, he almost let two people die. <laughs> and she she was <laughs> she was trying to pay him a compliment. Yeah, yeah, she's totally trying to like uh, she's tro- totally trying to like reach out and give the olive branch mm-hmm. here, and he was still a dick. And we know that you know, last time he took his shirt off like that, he ripped his shirt. Off. Like she was really into it then. Like the like oh so ethical thing uh, way back in season one. At least that time he wasn't like waiting to go in and save people. <laughs> um, I'm just giving a ransom a hard time this episode. Yeah, he was. He could have been a little bit uh, a little bit more receptive to the compliment there, as of just being like, yeah, you know what, I was impressive. <laughs> but I don't, I don't know. I I kind of think they might be trying to build more into the like the uh, the attraction between the two of them. I I was. Wondering if we would get that after, you know, last week setting up the the new dynamic between them. It's a total Lower Decks uh, uh, Benedict and But where is situation. Jennifer? Like, like <laughs> Mariner's supposed to have a girlfriend now, right? With Jennifer? I... Were they together? I forgot. Last season they got together? Like, it was formal? Or was it just like... I mean, like... Intro- like, did she just say something they, like... They seemed say- like they were going on a date. Yeah, like, oh, okay. they, they were like... The, the last time we saw them, like, they, like, walked off you know, holding hands, admitting that they liked each other. Oh, uh, right, right, right. So, but okay. I don't know when we're going to see Jennifer. Oh, actually, I do. Kn- I think she's going to be in the next episode based on the stuff we saw in the trailers. Yeah, yeah she's definitely like, in the season. If she's supposed to be dating Jennifer, I don't want them doing anything with Brandon because that would be weird. And I like. Also, I've dated someone for like a week and then it didn't work out. So who knows? I mean, that's fair. <laughs> if, if her and Jennifer were like, yeah, it didn't work out. Cool. Go do whatever the hell you want then. Like, right. Yeah, I, I would be curious to explore either relationship. I, I would love to see more Jennifer and Mariner. I'd love to see, you know, Ransom and Mariner and see how th- what kind of direction that goes into. So, yeah, I, I, would, I would be open to either one. But, yeah, I kind of, I'm kind of like you, Rachel, kind of want them to, like, pick one or the other or just mm-hmm. focus or just at least confirm what's I'm going not, on. Look, yeah. I'm not a love triangle girl. I read a lot and there's so goddamn many yeah. of them. Sure we had War- we had War Riker and Troy and TNG. We had, I guess, w- what would you say was the kind of triangle in uh, well, well, Strange to- New Worlds is definitely putting a whole lot into the uh, Chapel to yeah. Pring Spock triangle. Oh, so. right, right, right. That's true. Voyager did like Paris, Kess, and Neelix, which is the weirdest because I'm like, <laughs> yeah, just just get Neelix out of here. We don't need him. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, so it's... I think I think hilariously none of those people end up together. <laughs> I guess J- Julian wanted to sleep with both Daxes. Is that a weird? Well, he succeeded with one of them. He yeah, did. So, so that's like a weird one too. <laughs> Let uh, let's get Dirgy says. Don't forget Ston. They're actually a love quadrangle yeah. it, now. That it's, it's weird to me that like there's no uh, there's no polyamory in in Star Trek. Everyone is only in monogamous relationships in the future you know there's a strong suggestion of polyamory in tng like with Riker, kind of yeah R- yeah you're right Riker it's, and troy I... are in a they have an open relationship yeah so that's the only way they make sense like... <laughs> they straight up <laughs> the... because we, we know from lower decks when when they're going to little risa and 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 troy is like oh yeah i guess we need to bring the little horgon you know it's like uh it's like oh yeah like they they're clearly into like uh you know being able to have with other people <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, um, exactly there's um always the joke about uh the, the best way to um tie up a love triangle is a thruple yeah i mean why not you know so, yeah. let everyone win i'm all about uh the possibility of a jack crusher uh beverly crusher and uh jean-luc picard thruple isn't that like the x-men comics currently basically wolverine jean gray and cyclops are basically a thruple <laughs> like they won't admit it exactly but they just have bedrooms that are all like right together and have like a common area and you're like huh like <laughs> good for them well the the way that the episode ends it's kind of bookend with the B&B game uh like mm-hmm. to match with the the opening except now they I guess they have to like buy more Ferengi games to get the the other adventures they either have to subscribe to the season or purchase everything a la carte and there's like a galron expansion there's the uh the dinner with with lady lindor i, I thought all that stuff was pretty funny like the, the advertising there at the end that is, i would love um i wonder how like likeness rights work in the star trek universe because, I, like, i'm not sure because yeah like the these ca- we've actually talked about this a lot with the holodeck and what barkley did and stuff like that's yeah true. it's interesting yeah well, barkley is as far as I know, Barkley's not selling his holograms, right? He's just creating them for personal use. Right. No, but which is also creepy. in its own way. Yeah. 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 I mean, like, the, I just, we, uh, this came from the Ferengi black market, though, so who knows? Yeah, so maybe the Ferengis just don't care. Because I think when you're... When Bartok you're in... can give his permission. Right. But, well, considering they t- called him Chancellor, Gowron cannot. <laughs> when um uh when we were talking about this we imagined a scenario where when you're getting like your like in the future you know uh similar to today you go and get like some kind of id or whatever but in the future it scans you like in a way <laughs> can that, we put like, you it's... in a holodeck program yeah and so you sign a little consent that says is your are we allowed you know is starfleet allowed to use your image in training scenarios or mm-hmm. kobayashi maru type events or whatever and so at that point people say yes or no and so maybe barkley was exploiting that a little bit you know and like mm-hmm. maybe maybe the federation was a little innocent thinking oh this doesn't go on right like you know I... so it's like <laughs> so oh, who also... knows after <laughs> after also that maybe Le- there was some rewriting <laughs> also leah brahms <laughs> oh yeah that's oh gosh yeah like Oh my gosh! At least that started. <laughs> I I I still I still want Leah and Jordy. I wouldn't mind Leah and Jordy to be together, but I'm understanding a little bit more. I like why people think Jordy's so. Picard creepy. season <laughs> three. We will we will know who Jordy ends we'll up with <laughs> in yeah, a few true. months. Well, let's be real. I I think I responded when, to one of our chats once. I was like, "Well, uh, Jordy's real love data is dead." So <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's true. Um, that's a I good know, point. 
I don't necessarily mind the idea of Dorney ending up with Leah, but I I don't want it just to be like, yeah, like, uh, and like I want to actually see them as a couple and not just have it based on the idea that he fell in love with her as a hologram. Right. But also, it, you know, it is a weird scenario, but like, you know, uh, let's just say in an academic situation, you might be uh, studying a field and reading like a lot of books by a certain professor and maybe have seen their picture and stuff like that. And then, you know, you never know. You can end up being that person's friend. Like I certainly have friends now that I admired when I was oh. younger in the industry of, you know, whether it was film or whatever, you know, like just people that were more like Definitely. that I admired and thought were mentors. Like I remember as a kid, maybe have you know, this is much younger than Jordy just to talk about Jordy's kind of like mindset. But but as a kid, I would definitely talk to them as if they were like there sometimes, you know, like mm-hmm. or wonder what they would say or something. You know, so this like kind of fascination with your heroes. Yeah. And so he was. I saw it as more of hero worship. But we're not here to talk about that mm-hmm. episode, right, Molly? Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's there's much more to say on on this episode unless you have any final thoughts. I do want to say that. It is very sweet that they've kind of someone pointed this out uh, in the space, but like the this uh, the Sequoia is that the name of the shuttle there in the background that they're always kind of like working yeah, on. Yeah, that the, the Shax yeah. flew over to the Packled ship when he blew up. Right, but he pushed Baby Bear Rutherford back off of the ship in it. So it's cute that they hang out in this like bay and that they're always kind of like the the Sequoia is always in kind of some state of like you know disrepair or being worked on or something i really like this like setting and it does remind me so much of the poker thing you were talking about like how they would gather and stuff like that so i really dig this little bookend and it just it feels like more special like that they're like definitely getting closer as a as a you know like a little pod and you know i'm certainly getting more endeared to these characters uh with scenes like this it's like pretty cool i want to see them play the galron expansion let's get bob o'reilly in the recording booth let's do it some (laughs) some galron voice action i want to see them animate those crazy eyes yeah they're they're gonna because all these characters have like the the giant round eyes so they're gonna have to make his like 20 percent larger the the funny thing is that he does that like intentionally. I can't imagine holding that pose because like his eyes are nowhere near that like. You know, I will wide. say there's an episode <laughs> of Deep Space Nine where he's like that he's playing a character on the hall deck and he's just uh like he's just a human and I saw his eyes and I was like that's garage <laughs> like even when he wasn't doing it I'm like those piercing blue eyes I know who that I is. I think in all of the next generation and <laughs> all of Deep Space Nine, you you only see Galron blink one time. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think in, in Way of the Warrior, you can you can catch him blinking one time, but yeah, like normally his eyes are always at like a hundred percent. But yeah, if that's all we got, I'm gonna go ahead and take us into the Gorn Egg section of the show. Uh, so these are all Woo-hoo. of the uh, the Easter eggs and jokes and continuity connections I found in the episode that I thought were worth mentioning. I'm just starting off. Speaking of Martok and our Batlefs and Binox game. Uh, that is, in fact, uh, J.G. Hertzler coming back as Martok. I saw someone in the live audience asking, why didn't Martok have a have an eye patch? Well, he's, he's never had an eye patch. He just has his uh, kind of deformed uh, face from the from the Jim'Hadar camp. You might be thinking of Chang. The Klingon Chang had a patch bolted into his head. I, I love so Martok is, like, my favorite Klingon, so this made me so Yeah, every, everybody loves or Martok, J- right? Instead of everybody loves yeah. Raymond, everybody loves Martok. <laughs> uh, but the uh, that VCR game, that there it is. was actually Bob O'Reilly, not as Galron, but as a different Klingon. Um, but the, mm. uh, the, Yeah, but yeah, it definitely was reminiscent of that. And then there's also a Star Trek Klingon video game that came out on PCs back in 1996, it had both both of the big Klingon actors, uh, Robert O'Reilly and J.G. Hertzler, but neither one playing Galron 
or Martok. They're just like these different Klingons. That's interesting. I think that was a rights thing. Like they didn't want to have to like pay the writers for those right. characters or something. Yeah. And look, narrated narrated by Michael. Yes, Dorn. yeah. The the footage in the game was it's one of those one of those games that uses like live action footage and stuff. Uh, it was pretty Directed common in the nineties. Yeah, all, the, all that stuff was shot by yeah. uh, Jonathan Frakes. So, and you what? can find a lot of it on YouTube. I, I will say, so as I look at some of that stuff, I was like, I wonder if they got paid for that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we, we find out what's going on with Vindome in this episode. If you don't remember him, he was the Bolian on the Cerritos. Uh, Boimler mentions he's the guy who gets stabbed with spears. But, yeah, that happened in the third episode of the show. I just want to point out that Vindome got stabbed with a, a spear, and then in this episode, Boimler, Boimler. gets stabbed with a spear. See, and that's what happens when you're bold. You get stabbed with a spear. I think that's what happens when you're on your way to becoming captain someday. So I th- I th- <laughs> you know what? It's a good... Oh, I guess... Uh... Picard gets stabbed with a heart. Yeah, so... Picard was stabbed, so... That's true. And in, wow. in the universe where he didn't, he didn't become captain. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's one of the secret ingredients <laughs> to becoming captain. Yeah. Uh, Father, you might be on to one of the weirdest uh, little kind of thing little uh can't can any things in star trek i'm gonna have to do some research now <laughs> I, I have no proof that kirk or cisco wasn't stabbed, there you go so. true well, maybe strange in a world to show show us kirk getting stabbed before <laughs> yeah. He yeah we're gonna see paul captain. wesley get stabbed uh, vindome is is captain of the inglewood so we can assume that's another california class ship probably named after uh, inglewood california which is where they have the that, that iconic uh donut shop that uh iron man visited that's that's it, hilarious In- inglewood's like 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 the hood right like near near los angeles i don't know i don't know much about it's a la neighborhood or like yeah, near it's, LA. it's southern california i don't know enough Despite the fact that apparently one of my uh, uh, podcast co-hosts, their father, is convinced I'm from California by my voice, and I have spent, like, I have never lived in California. I feel like also the, uh, I have heard of Inglewood, but it was like, was it associated, associated with something else? I mean, the there's a bunch, a bunch of states have an Inglewood. Yeah. It's like a fairly common name. That's but true. The, there is an Inglewood, California. Um, the, but that captain, Captain Chapman, got turned into a baby. So Vindome had to had to step up and become captain, but yeah, we. <laughs> so it was a similar situation to the Rascals. It's so, it's similar funny. to Rascals, but I think more similar to the animated series episode, the Counterclock Incident, where we see Kirk and the rest of the Enterprise crew turn into into little infant babies. Oh and yeah, Robert April true. had to take command of the Enterprise again. That's so much more appropriate because it is the animated current animated series so referencing the the previous one that's cool <laughs> that's pretty funny uh yeah uh delane a planet full of uh sexy people that like to uh, greet each other with kisses and whatnot i think uh to me they they looked the most like the aliens from the apple like we talked about earlier but i think obviously more influenced yeah. by the Edo from justice especially with like their weird um desire to execute people sorry <laughs> We're, I thought you were gonna say weird nut huggers. Weird nut huggers. But yeah, yes, that's sure. Right. Why not that too? <laughs> uh, I mean, Rachel. Rachel's cracking up. <laughs> I muted my. I muted myself with the dogs, but I was like, can't even hear it. But I'm <laughs> well, we had space elevators in Star Trek one time before in the uh, Voyager episode Rise. Oh, I forgot. I actually remember seeing this episode now that you showed it. I must have been falling asleep when I was watching it. Oh my gosh, yeah, Starfleet right. Boy always sleeps through Voyager. <laughs> no, so weird. Um, let me tell you all the big the this big mistake, the mistake in the episode yeah, is that I they do, keep mentioning Spring it. Ball, but no, when we actually see the sport that Boimler goes to play, they're playing racquetball. They're on like the same court that Julian 
and O'Brien were on in the in Deep Space Nine and Rivals. They're at, even wearing like the same type of uh, outfit that Bashir was wearing in that episode is what all the uh, Starfleet people on the Cerritos are wearing when they play the Spring Ball is like the Bajoran game. And it's uh which looks like handball. Yeah. Which is a variation of handball. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, they they goofed up on that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Lower Decks. You have a, a pretty good track record, but uh you got this one wrong. Uh I'll forgive you though. That's a surprise that's a big surprise uh to me actually, because that doesn't seem like uh something that would, would happen on well, Lower Decks. We all make but, we oh, all last. make mistakes. Yeah, everyone makes a mistake every now and then. But speaking of DS9, I think Cranch was very similar to to Tosk. Instead of being an alien who's like, I must be hunted, he's like an alien who's like, I must do hunting. So, uh, Starfleet Boy, I think you implied that the skydiving was very similar to uh, a certain scene. I think it's recognizable to everyone as Star Trek 09. Olsen is gone! (laughs) Olsen is gone, sir. I just remember uh, watching the scene. It's the same thing with the one guy in red. And I was like, oh, I feel like I know what joke is coming up. <laughs> just a quick nod. In the theater, this scene is incredible. Like, that was so cool to see Star Trek do something on this level. It felt like some, you know, it was very, you know, it was it felt very cinematic. Like, uh, interesting. It felt yeah. cinematic. Which they all, all the movies feel cinematic. But we've never had, like, this level of, like, scale, yeah. I feel like, yeah, until this movie came out. And here's the the Easter egg that I, I haven't seen anyone else pick up on yet. So you heard it from me first, but when Ransom reveals his lava tubes to the Delanians and, mm-hmm. and wins the day and, and saves the engineers, he starts going on like this very captain-y type Star Trek speech. It starts off about, although we come from different worlds, we are not that different. And it cuts away. We don't hear the end of it. But I recognize the, the opening words of that. I was like, that is the speech that he was trying to write on the wall when he was imprisoned with Mariner on the uh, Crystal Planet uh, way back in the third wow. episode of the show, Temporal Edicts. In season one, he was writing on the wall in the cave, we may come from different worlds. So I I caught that immediately the first time i heard it but i haven't seen anyone else point that out on the internet so there you go that, that was, that was that's a, really awesome. rad nice yeah, catch there that's a good catch. yeah and also uh it took him three years to perfect that i'm imagining <laughs> well <we're, laughs> he's been right that's years. all he writes on his pad we don't, we don't know if there was a, a time jump though in season from season two to season mike mcmahon said some things to suggest that season two and season three might be the same year but i don't know Oh, yeah, it's only a few weeks. They do say, they. I don't know if we got a start date, but they did say it was only been a couple of weeks or something like that since yeah. uh, the incident. Because I know Mike McMahon, he suggested he wants to finish Lower Decks before we get to, like, the uh, the Mars attack stuff from Picard. Oh, that's interesting that he wants to stop it at that point. That's sad, too, that there's an end point. <laughs> I, I always imagine Lower Decks being like the Simpsons and just going on forever. No, he he wants to uh, <laughs> the show to exist before we get in like that darker Starfleet where the Tal Shiar is infiltrated and stuff like well, that. I oh, gotcha. His plan is like, we'll just have time stop, so we don't have to deal with that. Yeah. Like, so he's just going to slow down the like, timeline of it. Right, yeah. right. And I mean, it's hard to, uh, you know, yeah, like we were saying, like, how long can these people stay instance, so... Mm-hmm. But if we're going, if we're watching a show that's day to day rather than like a few months go by per episode, that's not, uh, it's not hard to do. You, yeah. you potentially could have 300 adventures, you know, uh, so that could take like several seasons to do in a year, you know? So yeah, it's pretty cool. Well, I hope y'all enjoyed that. Uh, I also have some subspace transmissions I'd like to share. These were people's responses from last week's episode. So if you have thoughts on this week's episode, uh, let us know in the comments. Let us know uh, on Twitter. You can reply to my tweets and tell me, or you can let us know in the Text Trek Discord or the Text Trek 
Facebook page, uh, but I have a few responses from last week's episode. I will I will read some of these. Uh, but Joanne Robertson said uh, on last week's episode, Grounded, I acknowledge that I look at things from a different perspective, so this is probably an odd take, but I felt like I was watching an intervention. Mariner was unhinged. She doesn't trust the system. She doesn't trust her friends. She can't keep still or be quiet. It was a lot. Like, Yeah, I think that was intentional, Joanne, because I think we're going to have uh, Mariner kind of learn and adjust and grow in, in this season and become a little bit more trusting of others. Joanne, that's a neat perspective and pretty heavy, and I hadn't thought of that, and I really dig it. I'm, I'm like kind of liking that idea a lot that, you know, um, maybe Mariner is finally dealing with some kind of trauma that she's been going through or something, and I did, I did like that. Uh, that was one of the cool things i think this season's gonna get deep it's, it's gonna be probably one of the funniest seasons but i also think it's gonna get deep well uh dan who i was just uh hanging out with in in vegas a few days ago uh hope you made it back home safe and sound dan but uh dan is saying i like this show more and more the season premiere was a wonderful opener and surprising on so many levels from the cantankerous old transporter room operator to the trip to the bozeman then the command crew showing up with the lesson, trust Starfleet, we told you it would work out. So yeah, they packed a lot into that episode last week. Uh, Scott said on Twitter, I love the show and it feels like a warm Star Trek hug, uh, but the episode felt rushed. The solution came too easily. I certainly understand that. Yeah, they uh, they resolved everything with, with the captain and all of that drama pretty quickly. I think that was kind of the joke, but yeah, if you were hoping for something a little bit more weighty or dramatic, we'll see how that would have been disappointing. I feel like Lower Decks would have to have longer seasons. Like, I would like to see them, like, do those, like, kind of off things more. But their seasons are so short. I don't think they have time to. Yeah. Uh, we saw a bit of that, you know, in season one, where they end with Boimler leaving the Cerritos. But then he, he, he got back there, like, real quick. So I wouldn't expect these yeah. uh, season-long cliffhangers. I wouldn't expect them to be, like, big game-changing things. They're more just kind of... I don't want to say like cheap hooks to come back for the next season, but I mean, that's, that's kind of like the Star Trek or more broadly, like kind of like the television tradition, you know, that inspired things like the best of both worlds. And, uh, you know, a lot of the, the next generation season ending cliffhangers, I, I, it's, it's cut from the same cloth as that. It'd be cool. It's the fact that they have very short seasons. Uh, sometimes the TV show Brooklyn Nine-Nine would have like, uh, cliffhangers and they would come back and then they'd have to deal with it for like three episodes mm. and then they would eventually kind of get back to normal like let's say uh a season ends with characters having to go into witness protection program and it's next three the three first three episodes of the next season they're in witness protection and that's like the storyline yeah but i get what you're saying if, if you're only doing 10 episode seasons you don't want to spend like a yeah. third of your season a third of season on dealing that. With that also i, I, I also just, maybe just give me longer seasons of lower decks I'm, yeah i wouldn't, I wouldn't mind that i do also think that like to me, it was, I agreed with the sentiment of, like, if we had spent time on it, like, it wouldn't have been Lower Decks. Because, like, the, it's mm-hmm. it's great that the idea that it's, like, this stuff was going on in the background, the, that the right. A plot is the, actually the, the B The big plot, epic right? yeah. story. Yeah. There's, like, this this dramatic kind of, like, political thriller, type, you know, investigation, like, undercover Court work thing, and yeah. starship chases and, like, all of that stuff going on behind the scenes. Tuvok. Yeah. It was, like, a, a Star Trek <laughs> Six type epic story <laughs> happening and yeah but we didn't we just saw like the goofballs getting covered in an alien spoof yeah. so <laughs> but uh but yeah that's gonna do it for this week we'll be back next week 7 p.m central on friday to discuss lower deck season three episode three and until then 
as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at TXTrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and take care.